Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Pensacola, Florida, it's time for Pensacola Business Radio. Now, here are your Business Radio X hosts. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Keith Topert here, broadcasting live from the Pensacola Business Radio X studios. And uh, I have back in front of me today, uh, it's doctor, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah but it's not written here, so I, and I, always oh. forget, I, I don't want to forget. We got Dr. Richard Hugh, uh, the, um, man, I just don't know how to put this. This is like you're the homicide man to me. I mean, that's what that's because that's what you do and it's what you teach. And, and, uh, dot com aside, yeah, you know, Year, the, years ago, several of the students dot com, right? It's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, All right, man. So you have been, uh, um, you know, last time you were here, you had the book come out, right? You started teaching here at UWF. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, then you, you've been on the road for a little while. There has been some time on the road. Yeah. Uh, what's going on? Yeah. Uh, Dr. Kimberly McCorkle, the co-author on the American Homicide Text. We, uh, well, we were talking just before the broadcast began today about visiting your old hometown, uh, St. Louis, for yeah. the Homicide Research Working Group Conference, where a- annually there's a group of folks that, that get together, a- uh, academics, uh, also professionals in the field. So you had everybody from the FBI's behavioral science unit, the so-called, you know, profilers to you, kind of, you name it, anybody who's interested in homicide. And it's a, a relatively dedicated core group of about 130 people nationally and internationally. And there's that, uh, there's that many, huh? Yes. Yeah. Some and, and, for, and again, is you, it all like, is it all studying for, for work or is it? It's a, it's a mix because you'll have uh, everything from studying, you know, new aspects of serial killers to, you know, things like confrontational homicide. One of my areas where the investigative aspects, you know, things that, that I spend a lot of time with, uh, up to and including, as I said, sophisticated, you know, things that the FBI's behavioral science unit does, like, studies of movement in the public by yeah. people who would be doing violence. So, I mean, it's a, a eclectic mix maybe because you'll also have epidemiologists, public health people, anthropologists, psychologists, pretty much across the board, right, all right. coming together to share this information, to try to figure out a, how to, you know, prevent homicide and serious violence when you can, but then also what do we do, you know, afterwards? One of the things I'd mentioned, you know, last time, which is a surprise, I had to, we ran through this for the folks over in jolly old England a couple of weeks ago is that our homicide rate in the U S is half of what it was 20 years ago. People think of violence and crime and things is increasing. We're in a 20 year decline in, in virtually all crime, uh, but specifically homicide yeah. less, less than half the rate it was 20 years ago. It doesn't mean it's not serious when it happens to people we know or touches their family but still there's some good news as far as that goes. So that was then, as we said, went across, um, went to Manchester, England first, one of the larger, yeah. but, uh, you know, very dense urban area of, of Northern England, relatively Northern England. And, um, spent time with their homicide folk. One in particular, we did basically a nine hour seminar with a guy who spent more than 35 years in investigations, uh, a detective superintendent, and was involved in more than 400 homicide cases, which wow. for the Brits is a lot. That's a lot. lot. That's a lot. Uh, I mean, when I worked homicide in kind of the Tampa area of Florida, you know, decades ago, you know, things were, were very busy. But but for, for England, that, that puts you right up kind of at the top. Well, yeah, because uh, I, I thought, you know, I know 
you know, as far as like gun violence, or that's like once a year, maybe, because nobody has them over there. Absolutely, so the murder rate can't be too high. Yeah, it, it's not. We just uh, in one of the exchange programs that we have at the university, we we uh, trade uh, with the, the Scots. We had we, right before we left, we had uh, two dozen Scottish students here, and so I was doing a lecture for them. So I was talking about the whole UK. So England, Wales, Scotland, mm-hmm. Ireland. They have a total of six. Northern Ireland, by the way. In Northern Ireland, pardon they, they me. They get a little upset at that. Pardon, <laughs> Northern Ireland, quite so, quite so. Any anybody out there, you know, uh, who who hears this later, mm-hmm. you can you can let us know. Yeah, I, I goofed that up, and I knew better. And uh, my co-author McCorkle, right? So okay, knew better. Yeah, editor. Uh, and 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 so you know they have a total of sixty-five million population, where we have three hundred and twenty million. All right, yeah. so we're, we're there. But so with the Scots, who have 5 million in the population, but I was telling them, I, I did a comparison year of like, I don't know, 2014, I think. And so for the whole year, the UK had uh, 580 murders. And that same year, we had like 14,782. So it's, first of all, it's hard for them to wrap their head around, you know, the, the violence that we have here. Yeah. So, of course, we were also over there. Um, when the massacre in Dallas occurred, you know, the murder of the, the, of the officers and a variety of other things. So we had fellow criminologists from all over the UK, as always, <clears> kind of <throat> asking us, what's up, what's up with you people? Yeah. You know, sort of a sort of a thing. But, yeah, the, the, you're right about the comparison that they they do not experience it, fortunately, in the same way. They also clear about 90 percent of all their homicides in the u.s that's about 62.5 percent are cleared and we talked a little bit about that last time and there's a variety of reasons but also uh because of the lack of firearms in the uk they they like to stab and poke themselves you know with different things whereas you know the overwhelming of course majority of all of our all gun deaths are all gunshot yeah um so dynamite uh, dynamite you know, occasionally you're, you've been watching reruns of Justified. <laughs> yeah, that's I think, it. I think, yeah, yeah, boy, yeah. Crowder with a stick of dynamite or something. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's 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 a different it's a different thing. So it made for a uh, a fascinating conference, and the conference was criminology overall, different criminology and criminal justice, uh, you know, discussions. But of course, we were also there uh, right after Brexit and the sacking of the entire like all the different ministers and, yeah. and British government. So that was fascinating. Kept Nothing it, like a cool revolution to oh, get to keep the right day there going, the right? Of it. Yeah, we we kept going by Ten Downing Street, you know, and all these people hanging all over it. And uh, so, and then uh, the Friday as we were getting ready to leave, woke up to the news in uh, Nice, France, with the um, yeah, we had some friends jerk over there with the truck who mm-hmm. you know drove through and killed so many people. Um, and discussions about that, which, which again, for, for us today, kind of our conversation, thinking about protections against terrorists and different yeah. activities, but the, and the flip side of that. So with terrorist activities kind of transition to that a little bit, the idea is you want to harm civilians, particularly not, sure. not military because you want to show people that, oh, your government can't protect you. Right. And, and so this is, um, it, it's, it's terribly you know, terrible and also terribly interesting as a challenge to like law enforcement, federal, state, local. How do you, you know, kind of interrupt that sort of thing specifically when it's like an individual, you know, if, if you have three or four people planning together and they're meeting or exchanging information, you have a shot at intercepting something, interrupting something, catching on, seeing a pattern, knowing something. If somebody just gets it in their head, yeah, 
to go do so we had uh now of course this is again tragedy uh japan very unusual for japan a fellow former employee at a mental health institute two days ago went in and stabbed to death um i think it was at least 19 people maybe more than that and this fellow had indicated previously that i think i forget how he paraphrased but basically they should all die so okay was did somebody not do enough uh and we always hear well no we don't always that's the thing afterwards sometimes you'll hear things that's like oh that was clear why wasn't something done about so-and-so mm-hmm. which highlights that it, it's not, not clear at the time that, that it's delivered it's not yeah it it usually is not or that it's at a i don't want to say well a low enough level that if you're the supervisor of the surveillance teams mm-hmm. and you only have 50 people and that's a luxury if you have 50 <laughs> people for the greater you know montgomery mobile pensacola area you're right and you've got 130 things you could task them to maybe that doesn't rise to the level of you know being tasked with a surveillance team. yeah yeah and if that's the case uh we were in uh, boston uh last summer the lead up to the the publishing of the book and so i was hanging out for several days with boston's homicide unit and in the middle of that second day is they had the fellow who took the huge bowie knife Mm -hmm. and uh Fortunately, he had been under surveillance by uh, Homeland Security in Boston PD, and he says, that's it. Today I'm going to go out and I'm going to kill somebody, probably police. And they intercepted him in the parking lot of a, of a, a drugstore, and sure enough, he, he tried and, mm-hmm. and ended up killed uh, for his efforts. But that was one of those that, let's call it fortunate, if you will, that he was communicating some of that, so there's a chance to find out about it. Right. Uh some of what we've been seeing, you know, around the globe now, and obvious some some increased frequency. Terrorism's nothing new. Terrorism's been around since the Romans. Yeah. When you it's know the last ditch effort. You it, know? It, it is, and the whole <clears throat> let's let's worry everybody that nobody's safe. And and again, uh, generally speaking, we're still all pretty darn safe. Um, but but it it does underscore the the challenge yeah. of this kind of thing. We had, of course, now you know we we're just saying we we're. Uh, Orlando this, this this past week for a conference of parents of murdered children, a group, a tremendous, wonderful group of people who've been uh, in existence for 30 years now. And as the name implies, the uh, membership, if you will, the criteria is you've lost someone to violent crime. Yeah. God, uh, I can co- imagine. Oh, I, I you know, in, in my time in homicide and all the research and study of it and training year, all these years, it still never prepares me for what I'm going to feel when I talk to family members, parents of people who've been murdered. It's very poignant this year because of the atrocity that, you know, just occurred in June at the Pulse nightclub in Orlando with the 50, you know, uh, young people, kids, I want to call them, you know, 50 young people killed at Mm -hmm. the nightclub. Um, And uh, I had been there in Orlando two days after that happened, um, testifying on a use of force case for the, uh, the folks from Orlando police department. And uh, so a couple of the officers I was interacting with had been at that scene. Wow. And again, some of the, you know, one of the, and most people have heard this on, on their news, but to to be in there right after with surrounded by the death and all you can hear is people's cell phones ringing because people were trying to, people were hearing. And so they were trying to contact their loved one or kid to see were they at the club. Yeah. And no one was ever going to answer any of those cell phones. Wow. And so, uh, you know, this is, the, this is the reality. And then, of course, now we have 
Um, the not related, but maybe related issue of a, a spike in assaults on law enforcement officers, De- yeah. deadly assaults on law yeah. enforcement officers. Somebody and we put glass in a sandwich around here the other day or something I saw. Uh, you know, I told you I don't watch the news yeah. that much anymore, but I did see that one. Yeah. It was like shards of glass. That, and obviously they caught it before sure. the officer had it, oh, but thank goodness. they were serving it to him. Yeah. I, I mean, like, come uh, on, man. Yeah, the, so the increase. <laughs> uh, well, absolutely. And people forget it's like on the one hand, uh, if somebody did something, you know, wrong, law enforcement officers, you know, somewhere doing something intentionally mm-hmm. wrong. And uh, there's no one more than law enforcement who would want to get that person out of yeah, the business. Sure. But then, as with any group, <laughs> to turn around and target an entire group of people, that's that's called stereotyping. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and we spend a lot of time teaching students, don't ever start with a blanket condemnation of any group or you've lost any kind of argument. But yeah, to just start targeting, you know, people, men and women in law enforcement uh, who are the people who we trust to, you know, come out and, yeah. and protect us and take care of things, really problematic. So I have to, tomorrow night at the, the local regional police academy, I'll be doing a five-hour lecture there. And a lot of what I'll be spending time on is dealing with irate or disturbed people and angry people. You're going to need more than five hours. Yeah, I know. And uh, this is uh, that's part of the reality, too, is, you know, uh, people are in the academy for uh, very often close to a year. Then they have three to five months of field training after that. And still, it's a, the job requires ongoing training. When I went through the police academy 37 years ago, you know, it wasn't nearly as long, but you still keep getting ongoing training, whether it's diversity, mm-hmm. whether it's mental health issues, whether it's how to drive the car. And the use of force part, which obviously gets media attention, it's so small. Less than one half sure. of one percent of all interactions with the public even has the potential threat of the use of force, sure. let alone actual use of force. But, you know, when something happens, so, so you know, we, we pay the officers, we expect, we public, you know, expect the officers to go handle, you name it. I mean, everything from one end of the spectrum to another. And occasionally... Uh, very often in an arrest situation or a disturbance situation, uh, you know, they'll have to use force of some sort. And sometimes it goes spectacularly wrong. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and then that gets focused on as if that's emblematic right. of everyday of life. Millions yeah. every day, the millions of interactions that we have with law enforcement and, uh, you know, which isn't an apologist view. You know, sometimes people in all businesses screw things up. Um, whether in, you know, intentionally or more likely, you know, through accident or, you know, poor training or poor supervision or something. So it's, yeah, it's problematic where, yeah. where you know, we've seen, um, the FBI does what's called the law enforcement officer killed and assaulted summary every year. And unfortunately we've been seeing that, you know, go up again this year is already 30 some percent over last year, um, in terms of how many officers were feloniously, you know, killed. And then usually another, well, 40 or 50 die from traffic fatalities. So, do you think this rise in all this is, is organized? Um, not as such. So what, what sometimes would, it wouldn't rise to the level of organized, but if conversation uh, reaches the point where I am so angry, I want to vent about something and I'm not sure what to do, Yeah. Uh, which is some of the commentary, again, not to make the connection, but as a, a comparison when you think about lo- so-called lone wolf terrorists, now we're, mm-hmm. we're not joining these two, but making an example that if I'm really frustrated and I want to do something about some issue, 
and I don't know what it is, and I see that someone else just went and committed some kind of terrorist act, that may give me an idea. The uh, movie from years ago, you'll remember, uh, Natural Born Killers with uh, Woody Harrelson. That, that was, at at the minimum, credited with 11 separate copycat murders. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, so did it cause them? No, it didn't cause them, but it, it was like, well, I want to do something. Oh, here's an idea. I'll do what they did in the movie. Yeah. And so people use that. So when you think about organization in terms of like, uh, now let's jump back to say, I want to, maybe I'll hurt some police officers. It, you know, maybe it's because I'm unhappy or there's something else in my existence or my mind that's causing something. What am I going to do? And I heard about this bad thing that some police officer somewhere did. So I'm going to go, you know, murder this group of officers, mothers, fathers with their kids, et cetera, et cetera just because, well, aren't all police officers alike? Right. And right. don't they all do bad things? Which, of course, it's one of those issues I teach call, a course called Policing in uh, Democracy. We just finally renamed it to just policing. But, <laughs> you know, this idea that in America when something does happen wrong, we we get to hear about it. In a lot of countries, you don't hear about something yeah. that goes wrong because yeah. government controls the media uh, or it's just not released. And since we have 18,000 separate law enforcement agencies in the U.S., which is, you know, like I said, it was just in the U.K., they have 27 yeah. law enforcement agencies. We have 18,000 law enforcement agencies because we all want our own, mm-hmm. you know, our Pensacola PD. They're very efficient Milton over PD. there, by the way. Uh, it's very interesting. Yeah. And, you know, we could get back to, you say they cleared 90% of their homicide and we clear 62%. Uh-huh. Um, so that was but a big part of the discussion it, we had. It's set up a little different, though. It, it, it was good to be king much. and rule the world, right? You, you, you made law. Right, right. I've seen Downton Abbey. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, you know, I mean, there's, there's, uh, we, we put ourselves in training watching Downton Abbey before I go. Oh, there, I believe it. So. You, you got to take some form of accent with you. Yeah. When, when we were at the conference, I, you know, I, before one of our two presentations, I said, oh, I hope you all find it interesting. And I made sure not to say y'all. I said, I hope you all find it interesting. They're like, oh, with your accent, we'll just listen to I it know, all it's day. Weird, yeah. So, and I was like, really? Okay. Well, I'll Because I dig the British the accent. Book. I my, do, too. And yeah. my dad lives over there now. And uh, when I go over there, they're like, oh, we dig your American yeah. accent. I'm like, what accent? You know, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you throw the southern twang in with it. And it's right. Just, it's, oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> so, um, you know, first of all, God bless you, because we got to get home and then dump all this stuff out on the on the table and just leave it there, right? It's very hard to process it all. How is this translating for you in the university, in the teaching? Yeah, um, yeah very importantly. So one of the, the things that, that uh, Dr. McCorkle and I were doing in this trip, besides presenting, besides meeting with law enforcement agencies. <laughs> and therapy sessions and later. therapy <laughs> sessions, you know, years later in therapy, Richard talks about, mm-hmm. yeah, um, is, is we want to set up one of the study abroad programs where we can take a group of our undergraduate students from the university and go to England to, you know, I mentioned we had a Scottish group, that, but that partnership has been set up for several years, and it looks kind of broadly at the, the criminal justice system overall in Scotland and in the U.S. What, what we aim to do is more narrowly look at homicide and violent crime and how, you know, kind of what it emanates from and how we investigate mm-hmm. that in the U.K. and mainly England, but in the U.K. and in the U.S. and contrast that. Now, that's a... You know, that's a whole different kettle of yeah. beans. So, so on the uh, kettle of fish, on the one hand, 
on the one hand, I mean, it, it just plays obviously into the homicide work that we do, the homicide investigation work we do. Um, you know, I also teach classes on, on violence and cold case investigation and serial killers. And so, I mean, it's very much sort of in that, but more importantly, or as importantly as university folk is that we want to expose the students to this and to, uh, there's in the country now kind of a move, what we call high impact practices. In other words, if, you know, uh, Keith Ofert, the student, you know, goes to, you know, an internship program Mm -hmm. and you're hands on and you're working on something, we know that you're going to get more out of that than just listening to somebody drone on about it or just talk about it. There's, there's levels of how are we going to retain things. Right. And so what we know about various high impact practices, and there's many, but study abroad is one of the kind of gold standard ones. If you go into another culture, even if it yeah. emanated, throw them to the wolves, you man. know, that that's it. And so, you know, sure, we'll have to have a translator for Scotland, but anybody out there listening, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, that's a joke. Yeah, they, well, until they start drinking until, yeah, then it's like, come on, you can't, what did you say? <laughs> And so this idea, so even, you know, even when we were over there talking to prosecutors and, and homicide, you know, folks just now, things that we had either not remembered or weren't aware in differences of the system. And yet, as we point out to our students, our system came from their system, yeah, you know, and, uh, and, and all that. And of course, why we have 18,000 law enforcement agencies, because that we added kerfuffle a few years ago. <laughs> Yeah, with the revolution, uh-huh. it's like we don't want to trust uh, central government, and so we're all going to have our separate law enforcement agencies. Yeah, and the firearms bit, you know, just just so different. So, for the university standpoint, what we're hoping to do, you know, maybe as as early as next year, is take a group of students back over there and team with several other universities to do some site visits and talk to prosecutors, talk to homicide folks you know, and open, open the students' minds, you know, some more. And then the following year, hopefully then bring some, you know, British students over here, you know, so. which, which would be really cool. And I can imagine just trying to learn those two systems of, of law have to be, cause you know, my dad's a lawyer. So, and over there, I'm blanking on what they're called. Barristers. Yeah, that's it. Barristers. <laughs> and, yeah. um, we were walking down somewhere and I, again, the, the courtrooms are all public, right? So the, the docket's still outside. So I, I, I'd asked my dad, how different was it? He, he'd say, it's absolutely, completely freaking Greek to me. Yes. <laughs> you know? Yes. So I could imagine just being, enforcing the law and then not having the same tools to enforce it with, you know, because they don't carry. That's true. I mean, you have to be pretty high up to have a firearm over there. Yeah, very um, specialized kind of unit, yeah. anti-terrorist kind of unit, or ones where you might have someone who has a firearm respond to back up other officers who predominantly do not. Yeah, otherwise you know, you, your firearms. kung fu game better be like on time, man. Or you have to have some really good talking skills. <laughs> and I mean, now I, you know, the first department I started in in the late 1970s was a tiny little department um, with lots of bars. Mm-hmm. And so you didn't necessarily have backup right away. So you learned how to talk your way out of some yeah. things and fight your way out of the other, you know, 80% of things. But yeah, in England, that's true. And and we think about that and think, oh, wow, that's as a, an American law enforcement officer, you think about that and you think, well, if you have generations upon generations of people who don't mind assaulting police, assaulting other, you know, average citizens, sure. stabbing them, shooting them, 
it wouldn't necessarily translate. So, so that's interesting. We'll go back to what, what we kind of refer to as the British model of homicide investigation, which is, you know, if anybody's ever seen, you know, any of this represented like on a BBC show, it's like they send 30 people. And uh, although Hollywood will show you falsely that, you know, we do that sometimes here and it's like 12 detectives and mm-hmm. 20 police officers. Yeah, no, not crimes, so much. It's not at no. all like that. But with the Brits, they, they will set up a room like the one we're sitting here in the studio and they'll have the call the murder room and they'll, I mean, a big coordinated effort. Well, that's great. And there is, you know, studies even in America that support the more resources up yeah. front that you put in. I've seen it. 48 hours. Sure. It works. That's it. I'll tell you what. First 48. Now, in the homicide class, um, uh, besides the fact that they have to read our textbook and <laughs> lots of things, but we all will show clips mm-hmm. from first 48 on A&E. And I'll tell them, look, this is as close as I can get you to what I did as a homicide detective. It shows the boring times waiting on a call to come in. It's not all the cool NCIS equipment and stuff. 3D animations uh, and DNA. And it's like, no, that's not what most homicide investigations have anything to do with. (laughs) Uh, So, it, yeah, it's going to certainly keep our, our dance card filled for the foreseeable future. And, again, I split my time between homicide investigative type things. Uh, the new book I'm writing now is called The Use of Force by Criminal Justice Personnel. Uh, so, due out next June. Is that a text um, one as well? That's also going to be a text book. You're writing your next teaching class, aren't you? <sighs> well, They're like, you, you're like, I want to teach something new. So there's like, okay, f- write me a book about it first. You know, if if only that were new for me. This is, <laughs> this is the 32nd year of me teaching wow. hand-to-hand combat for law enforcement and corrections officers. And I still do. That's why I have lousy knees, you know, uh, six surgeries later, you know, from, from I mean, several decades of, sure. of doing this on the hand-to-hand stuff. But but now 85 or so percent of my outside consulting is on use of force cases, right. whether it's in law enforcement or, or correction. So on the one hand, you know, it's an older, more ingrained part of my DNA than even the homicide experience and, and investigation, but incredibly important. Yeah, as we said, you, you know, you get attention to it, even though, like homicide, it's an incredibly rare event. The use yeah. of force by law enforcement is, is a very rare event, but it draws so much attention, especially when it doesn't seem to go the way it's supposed to, even though that's subjective and usually can't be figured out till afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is why even during a semester, for instance, if some big thing happens in the country during a semester, and it's a case that is therefore not resolved, I can remember... Uh, the the uh, murders of Nicole Brown Simpson and, and Ron Goldman. When they were murdered, uh, during that semester, I, I didn't entertain that as a big topic of conversation because we did not yet know enough to move past. Yeah. And again, this is for a student audience. You don't want you have to get past the opinions. Well, I think this, I think that, I think the other. Yeah. And it's like, okay, we're in a... And the speculation, I'm sure, and, and just, you know, right. how, the, how the movie plays out in your head. Right. Yeah. And here we are in a a college or university class, and it's like, no, we have to work with, you know, some facts here. And, of course, that one remains an interesting uh, case study years later now that we see kind of, uh, you know, Mr. Simpson having been held accountable in civil court mm-hmm. uh, for the deaths of his, you know, former spouse and, and Mr. Goldman. Uh, but, but yeah, so it, it the use of force part, now back to kind of that, yeah. that issue, um, tremendously interesting, important, um, and the flip side again, like I said, of, of all these years teaching use of force to law enforcement and to corrections, 
far more than 50, upwards 50 or more thousand assaults on law enforcement are reported each year. Uh, and that doesn't even include the ones where if, if you're arresting somebody and they struggle and you get an elbow in the chin or something like that, chances are you'll put it in your report, but it, you're not going to also then charge the person, even though technically you, you could right, with, right. with a felony crime. Um, it, a lot of that doesn't get in there. So 50 some thousand is a way, way underestimate. Um, and that doesn't uh, typically include corrections officers and gee whiz. Yeah, they, they have uh, all day long, right? Oof, you know, uh, that was uh, in some of those other past lives. I'm really 93 years old. Um, <laughs> I was director of corrections for two different counties here in Florida. And so working with the fine men and women, you know, in a lot of these correctional agencies, that is a tough, thankless job. And you walk on concrete all day. Yeah. It's, it's I mean, yeah. really. Watching I, your back. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, good officers know that a lot of your backup are the majority of inmates, believe it or not, because, you know, it, most of the 90 five percent of the inmates just want to do their time and get out of there sure and so they want things calm because they're afraid most of the time and so they know if you know officer you know hoffert is doing a good job we want him to be okay yeah yeah and uh, i can remember rushing to a, a fight once uh in one of one of the facilities where i was we were in the master control area watching on camera with the facility commander and i was dropping in for a visit and a fight broke out on one of the exercise yards and uh, we go running down there because uh, the officer was trying to break him up, one of the deputies, and it was great. He was fine. They were broken up by the time we got, you know, through the building to get there. But then there was this little side fight because one of the inmates made the mistake of touching the officer and several other inmates jumped on that inmate. Yeah. Because wow. they're like, don't you touch that deputy, you know, and they because they know then then we got to have your alliances at some point i'm sure well it's it's real interesting and it's a it's a psychological sociological commentary that they just you know the majority you know look inmates are our mothers brothers fathers sons Mm -hmm. uncles you know neighbors business people human necessity that's right they want to they want to get done with you know they they're there whether it's a jail or a prison setting they're either waiting on a trial or it's done and they're being punished I just want to get through this and move on. And the vast majority of them, that's all they want to do is just move on. And so they know anything that disrupts that is not going to make their life better. And so unlike, uh, you know, silly shows that we see on TV now at a moment's notice, it's a very dangerous environment. Right. What it isn't is all day long, every day, people jumping on the officers. Uh, But the trouble is, just like in law enforcement out on the street, you don't know when that moment is. Uh, so, you know, one of the scariest times, you know, from the law enforcement community is when you walk up to a car on a traffic stop. I was just reading of a 2014 case where, you know, officer walks up uh, and it's the classic, your tag lights out or your, your tail lights out and is shot three times in the chest because that person was wanted for something else sure. and assumed that the officer either figured it out or was about to figure it out. Yeah, I was going to run his license, right? And so, <laughs> if he had one. Uh, and there was another one in 2013 officer pulling somebody over and along comes a, a car on the, on the highway. Uh, I think I saw that one clipped and him. intentionally hit him, ran him yeah. over. Eventually he confessed later that he was a ex felon, uh, and he intentionally killed the officer. And I mean, 90 miles an hour, just veered in That's and just killed crazy. him. And, and, you know, people, people wonder why, uh, and this, again, it, it sometimes this comes off as, wow, this is, you know, it's just like defending everything. Now, people say, well, how come 
police don't smile more. And it isn't that there's a reason not to, but but frankly, it's hard to smile while you're also trying to stay alert, but yeah, yet professional. Yeah. And 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 then they have instructors like me, you know, spending you know uh, some good bit time of time in their head, right? That, that's right. <laughs> that that look, <clears throat> the public generally loves you, and this is an important thing. And I always have to remind officers and pre-service and in-service is that the vast majority of the American public support and like law enforcement, just like law enforcement. They don't like it when somebody does mm-hmm. something wrong, a police officer. Oh, we hate it. Well, everybody hates it. That's like military. There's a lot, you know, in our area here, of course, we know what a tremendously large and important military presence we have and family members and dependents. And when someone sees former airmen, former Navy, former this, that Rob's bank, you know, oh, you know, they hate it. And why wouldn't they hate that? And when you see that in law enforcement, uh, guess what? You know, you know, I didn't spend 30 years of my, you know, professional career and, and still, you know, training and, and serving law enforcement to see some knucklehead, you know, do something intentionally wrong that we want to get them out fired and imprisoned if appropriate. Sure. Um, so it's like everything in life, it's complicated. And, uh, but we also know that, you know, enforcement stuff like going out and actually chasing the bad guy, you know, arresting somebody for the robbery, things like that, that occupies well less than 20% of, the activities of officers nationwide. The other 80% is, you know, directing traffic or responding to false alarms or, uh, you know, the classic help you get the cat out of the tree, you know, sort of thing. You ever had a cat get stuck in a tree? I mean, it's a cat, right? Exactly. Which is why most people know what I got. (laughs) I got rattlesnakes in the uh, laundry room. Um, I got cow out in the middle of the road. I mean, nice. I, you know, I got uh, raccoons with uh, parvovirus that acted like uh, stuff from uh, uh, Shaun of the Dead. You know, the the zombie. You know, kind of. <laughs> That's a great movie, by the oh, way. It's an awesome movie, and I'm always shocked how many of my students haven't seen Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, how, did your British mates over there have they have they seen it? Um, the one of the one person I thought to remember to ask that hadn't seen it, and I thought they should be stripped of their British citizenship. Yeah. That's a great flick. What a great and and so the second department where I work, Longboat Key, we had a parvo outbreak the Ugh. one year, and so the this was an an island community off of Sarasota and Bradenton, and they estimated a a raccoon population of thirty to forty thousand. Well, with parvo, for all of our listeners, it mimics rabies, and so you you have to determine does it have rabies or <laughs> does it have parvo. Well, the only way to do that. I'd say either way, kick it in the head and run. It is, well, you see, we weren't allowed to kick it or shoot it in the head because that's what they have to test is, yeah, the, brain. is the brain. And so I've got some, and this will be the fall semester, so mm-hmm. my policing class on the day, whatever class is closest to Halloween, I tell them the zombie raccoon story. Yeah, it's and, a real, it's, uh, it, the struggle is real, right? It, it's absolutely real. Don't doubt it. Yeah. Don't doubt it for a minute. And uh, if people get me on the side, I'll tell you the zombie raccoon story. Awesome. Uh, well, we're we're uh, we're hitting our time here. Um, I, I you know you could go on for days. I mean, you just you've got a whole lot of stories. But yeah, uh, when does fall start? Fall starts in uh, for UWF in about uh, like a like a three? week or something. Yeah, yeah it's just yeah. a couple weeks. It really doesn't. It's not fall. And and you know, I just I just saw it right before we came in. I just saw an email reminding me. Of course, this is our first football season. Yeah, we're excited. So that's that's very cool. Uh, we also have coming up 
Um, I, I know I'd mentioned to you for about the last, well, at least the last decade, Dr. McCorkle and I have run candidate forum where uh, I'm the moderator and I grill uh, uh-huh, judge, the, judge uh, candidates, sheriffs? state attorney candidates, sheriff candidates. And so coming up and, and I'll have to get you information maybe for, uh, for the website or for the show. Just get them in. I'll let you moderate right here at this table. Oh, it, it'd be great. Then we'd have, you'd have to have all of them <laughs> in the room. We, we, we pick either the conference center at mm-hmm. UWF or one of the big venues we have. And so once again, uh, we will be conducting, uh, at this point, all of the candidates for sheriff of Escambia and all the candidates for the sheriff of Santa Rosa County. Cool. We haven't had a lot of response yet from the Santa Rosa folks, but most of the candidates for sheriff and and, uh, Escambia are in and we'll be holding that one evening and on a Thursday in about two weeks. And so check your other sources and the UWF website for everybody. But, uh, it's always a good time, a, a, a good group where, it isn't a free-for-all, and it's not a debate. I actually pose hard questions to them uh, from all my years of managing law enforcement agencies to say, how do you handle this? Yeah. Or how would you? So it's fun times, as always, at UWF. Cool. And what day is it? It's going to be Thursday, I think, August 11th at this point. But but everybody should check because I'm not positive. Yeah. We'll have to get you that. UWF.edu. Yes, we, we had a conflict with uh, the TV station on the day we both set the same day. So of we, course. we deferred and said, okay, we'll wait a week. And that's what threw me off is I'm not sure then when we landed. All right. But, well, uh, you got, you've got a list of things going on, yeah. Uh, you know. Huh? Give me a broom. I'll handle it. Thanks for coming by here and hanging out for a little while. Always love it. You know, um, you guys, uh, you can find us at Picola Radio X on Twitter. You can find us at Picola BRX on Facebook, or you can find us at Pensacola.BusinessRadioX.com. Dr. Homicide, I'm going to have to say thanks for coming by. <laughs> Let's see if this sticks. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Doc Homicide. <laughs> guys, this has been Pensacola Business Radio, where business is good and your work matters.